0: Gay. 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 Hey, queen! Welcome to another episode of Is This Movie? You know, where we talk about movies that are significant to the LGBTQIA+ community and view them through a gay lens. Then we discuss whether or not the movie is, you know. Gay. Hey, I'm Fernando. I'm Josh, and we are your gay co-hosts. As always, make sure that you're following us on social media. We are at is this movie you know.pod on Instagram, and is this movie you know, on Facebook.
1: You can also email us at isthismovieyouknow at gmail.com.
0: You can expect the casual mention of same-sex intercourse and the occasional curse word to be dropped here and there. Like Darn, Shucks, Wiener, Mitch McConnell, and Fucking, so we hope you're ready.
1: Because this podcast is about to get... <laughs>
0: I am so excited for today's episode. We're going to be talking about the 1993 legal drama, Philadelphia, and we have a very special guest who is a very, very good friend of mine, and also happens to be a lawyer, Mr. James Salem. Hello. I do happen to be a lawyer, and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> However, that, that does not mean that all of your opinions will be correct. Oh, um, well, that's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Sustain.
2: So. <laughs> Objection. <laughs> so tell us about yourself, James. Sure. So I am a, as you said, I'm a lawyer. I am a writer. Um, I'm born and raised in Brooklyn. I've only been to Philadelphia one time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's relevant. How do you know Josh? Oh, yeah. Josh and I, so I have... I my I have two master's degrees. Um, I have a juris doctor, and then I have an MFA uh, from NYU. And at the MFA program at NYU, I met Josh, and he and I are writing partners. Hey! Yeah.
1: More <laughs> <All> romantic. Um, <laughs> it,
2: it 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 yeah. We're like an old married couple.
1: <laughs> Emphasis on old. Speak for yourself, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna be doing. Um, Philadelphia. This, um, last week we did um, GBF, which was, as I mentioned, mm. it was a Josh pick. This one is a Fernando pick. I I was the one who pushed to do this, and it so happened that um, Josh uh, recommended James to be a guest in here. Um, have you been, How many times have you been to Philadelphia, Josh? Like once in middle school, I think we took a trip, um, but that's it. Oh, well, that's mean. I feel like t- people who're not born here and live in New York have been like are like kind of like obsessed with like with Philly. Why? I don't know because it's like the one like trip that you could do out of New York that it's like not that expensive yeah, you that's can do by true. bus.
2: But you could it's, do it, like, to see it by bus.
1: It's yeah. It's tr- <laughs> but it's but Philly is like 3 hours? I feel like yeah. I think but it's there's like, nothing to dark. do. Yeah, it's, it's like, ne- two hours, like two and and a half half hours. nothing to do there. But Love, Philly. You know what I hate? I did hate the two songs in this movie, but we're going to oh talk about that. <laughs> I was like, well, this movie has a really long intro, but tell us, Josh, what is the movie Philadelphia about?
0: So Philadelphia is a
1: 1993
0: legal drama directed by Jonathan Demme and written by Ron Niswanner. I fucked up that pronunciation. I'm sorry, Ron. Um, It tells the story of Andy, a lawyer played by Tom Hanks, who hides his sexuality and his HIV status at a big law firm in Philadelphia. Um, He gets assigned to a really big case with a really big client, but a colleague discovers Andy's facial lesions, and as a result, Andy is fired. Andy decides to sue the practice for discrimination and teams up with Joe, who's played by Denzel Washington, um, the only lawyer who will help him and represent him. Well that
1: description is wrong. Why is it wrong? Because you said that he's fired because he's you know like that's the main conflict of the film. Right. I was right. going to say the same thing. <laughs> um, it's it he so like because it right before it, the statute of limitations for this case uh, comes up ends or whatever the term is, they misplace a document um, and they blame it on Andy so they you set said us as an excuse to fire him, but Andy argues that he was fired due to his HIV status. So that's, you know, yeah, what sets it motion. I kind though. of
0: gave away a plot point because, to me, by the end of the movie, it's obvious that he was fired because of his sexual orientation and, and HIV status.
2: Is it? Yeah. Oh, that, is the, that, is the, that is the outcome of the case. Yeah. See? Two to one.
0: Yeah. Bye, Fernando. Okay, well, are you, how many times that you watched this movie before recording this? So this was my second time watching it. Yeah. I had never seen it before. This was oh. my first
2: time seeing the film. Oh
1: my goodness. You would think that's a required viewing. For like gay lawyers.
2: I, although I'm, I'm here, I guess, on a movie podcast, I my film knowledge is probably uh, abysmal compared to the two of you. I haven't seen a lot of films. Um, so oh. this was... Was one when, when I when I was like when Joshua uh, invited me to be on it I was like this is a good reason to watch that film that I probably should have watched already right um, <laughs> but here Did we are. do <laughs> you watch a lot of legal dramas like are you like no. into watching your profession in
1: media absolutely not
2: no I uh, no. Oh, interesting I, oh wow I, I I generally don't watch um, shows that feature lawyers because they usually are like very inaccurate um, and I can't help but like get distracted by that. Um. <laughs> How interesting! I mean, I I get like that when they have people
1: working on publicity because they're all assholes um, in media. <laughs> but um, I personally love legal shows. My favorite show ever is The Good Wife, and The Good Fight is I did watch a lot of The
2: Good Wife. I did like oh, The it's Good so Wife. It's so good. That, that I mean, it's not exception. you know, it's not
1: accurate. I I would no. assume.
2: Um, no, but, um, but it's so entertaining. But it was it was exactly it was entertaining enough that I didn't care. Um, you know, I, I,
0: I also feel that way about movies and TV shows about unemployed people. You know, right. I, I find that difficult to Because watch. they are
1: productive. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to whatever you're doing. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what did we think of the movie?
2: I loved um, it. You loved it? I did. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I mean, it was really sad, I thought. Um,
1: it's a really sad film. I personally love 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 the film and i watched it two times before this time that i watched it for the pocket so until i would have watched it three times and the first two times wow. that i watched it the first wow. one i watched it i watched it by myself and i watched it because uh, it, you know it's like one of those films that when you google like movies about being gay that's you know what comes up <laughs> so i think i watched it probably and i was like 19 or 20, and I cried so much, and the second time that I watched it, I watched it with that significant other, um, and it was also highly emotional, like, right, but the third time that I watched it, which is for this podcast, because I'm, I was not emotionally vulnerable, and I watched it at 4 p.m. in the afternoon, I feel like I was in a much more analytical state, and not that I loved the movie any less, but this time, number one, I didn't cry, and oh. I could definitely see the flaws in the whole film, but I, I still like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a flawed film in some respects, but it's also just so sweet and it's a tearjerker. It's it's relatively straightforward and simple. You know, there are no tricks or gimmicks or, or things that are that are too complex. I I love this movie. I think that. Whether or not it's aged well is something that we can discuss, but i I enjoyed it for for what it was. and Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks at the top of their game, I mean, I mean, they're so young, I couldn't believe how young they were. I, I mean know. I know that. <laughs> I know it was it was crazy. And like for a movie that was like the first major Hollywood movie to acknowledge something so taboo, such as AIDS they really assembled an all-star cast of talent, like from Tom Hanks to Academy Award winners Denzel and Mary Steenburgen, and then director Jonathan Demme, who had just come off of Silence of the Lambs, and then featuring music from Neil Young and Bruce Springsteen. Um, That's really interesting, and I feel like it's almost like they had to bring that big talent in as if to say, it's okay to talk about this. We don't have to, nor should we be silent about this.
1: I mean, I love, I love um, Mary Sinbergen. She's a huge fan of the podcast. So I, I love her. She's married to Ted Danson. She's married to Ted Danson. And funny thing, they appear as a couple in uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. They do. <laughs> yes, and because I, I, they I, play I, themselves. Right. <laughs> um, can I also just mention Antonio Banderas, young Antonio Banderas, this film? Oh, my gosh. Come oh, my on. God. Oh, yeah. my God. Can I'm, we give him a shout-out? I'm Very sweating. pretty. I'm he probably sweating. has five words of dialogue. Um, but, you know, cool stuff. What do you like about everyone? What, what do you like the most about this film?
2: Um, I think, I think the thing, there's a couple of things that I really liked, but, but I think the thing I liked the most was the, the screen friendship between, um, Tom Hanks' character and Denzel's character and sort of the, the development in, in, um, Denzel Washington's character from the beginning of the film to the end, I think is the, is the biggest arc in the film actually, and the most interesting part of it.
0: Yeah, I I, I would have to agree. I think they really carry the movie for me. Um, But I also do love a good preachy courtroom drama, and I think that this delivers in terms of preachiness and, you know, snappy, witty things that come to lawyers while they're arguing a case, and we're like, "Mm mm-hmm, serve that justice, bitch. Um, That's what I enjoy the most about it.
1: For me, it really is uh, how this movie, depending on who you ask is based on a true on a true story and it kind mm-hmm. of plays out the same way that the film played out but I I still you know regardless of, of the fact that it's a true story, I really love the fact that the movie ends with a scene that kind of like um highlights the pain that aids causes rather than rather than, like, the finale of the courtroom drama, mm. if that yeah. if that makes sense. Like, I like I actually, like, really did enjoy that, y- you know, they kind of wanted to make a point that the movie was not so much, y- you know, like, a legal film, but rather a, a love letter to all those people that had been wronged by the system during the AIDS epidemic, with, you know, the final scene being the funeral of, of Andy. Spoiler alert, mm. he dies. And yeah like I, I love that this movie, I would say it's the, the, the courtroom stuff doesn't I like I watched it, I like make sure to point it out. It starts at 46 minutes in the film. so it's like starts pretty late and I, I enjoy that the movie's not only about the courtroom stuff but rather but, the human part of it.
0: But like the courtroom stuff is pretty significant, and I would say that that's more than half of the movie.:
1: No, for sure, but I'm saying you know like it, it makes it com- a compelling film. That's why I enjoy it. That, you know, we have as many, once the courtroom stuff starts, we have as many scenes outside of the courtroom as inside the courtroom, rather than it being, you know, lawyers doing some lawyering.
2: Lawyers yeah. doing lawyering. Is that what you I think you that think? makes sense, because something I, yeah, that is what I do. Um, <laughs> But I I think something I noticed about the film was like how often they did like time jumps. Like I felt like every other scene it was like one week later, two months later, three weeks later. Um, and I think that you know, that it was a good choice and that they were able to then only show us the parts of the, of the courtroom drama that were really significant and then go to all these life events that, that were outside of the courtroom. And I, I agree. I thought that was a really strong point of the film. Um,
1: weakest points, though. The weakest? Yeah.
0: So there's one scene that I think is either my favorite scene or my least favorite scene. And every time I think about it, I'm like, I go back and forth. It's when Joe's in the drugstore picking up diapers for his kid, and a law student comes up to him and says, hey, man, I think you're doing a really great job on this case. And then he asks Joe out for a drink. And Joe is like, I ought to kick your faggoty little ass. Do I look gay to you? And then the law student responds, do I look gay to you? And it's a very uncomfortable situation because the law student, um, he's forthcoming, but Joe accosts him and says that it's, quote, gay behavior that makes people want to kick their asses. And I think that for me I just can't often track where Joe is in his journey of how he feels about gay people. I feel like I get whiplash. Like it seems like he's okay because oh, he's taking Andy's case on and he and he recognizes um that like legally Andy has a case here, but then at the same time he says these things to his wife and he says these things to this this kid in the drugstore that make me think that he hasn't come anywhere,
2: you know? Right. I, I found that to be compelling because I think, like, regression is a natural part of progression, mm. right? So if he, like, he's growing, but there's going to be things that make him go backwards, and I think that, that that moment is one of them that sort of he backslides for a bit, Um but I think I think he wouldn't be as convincing or compelling a character if all of a sudden he had just let go of all of those, um, you know, biases and prejudices, just you know, through working on the case for a couple of months.
1: Right. I think that that's that's an amazing point. Is some of the criticism, and we're going to get into it, but some of the criticism said that it feels that Denzel's character was in two different movies. For some people, not not specifically for me, yes, them, because yes, because it had. It had, you know, scenes in which, you know, he was talking to his wife and was kind of like advancing in his journey about gay people. And then, you know, we have some regressions like that scene at the pharmacy. But I think that's a very realistic journey for homophobic people. Even those who personally have a relative that they might love or like a best friend or something like that. Still, it's, you know, very hard to come to, you know, end their ways as, as a homophobic person. It's not a switch that, you know, it happens. Right, right. But, like, why do we get a
0: realistic journey for Denzel but not for Tom Hanks?
1: Right, You know?
0: Like, Tom Hanks' Um, character, Andy, you know, it's a clear progression of him getting sicker. Right. You know? I mean, of course, they say that there are good days and bad days, but, you know, over the course of the movie, it just gets worse for him.
2: But I, I think that's also a realistic progression, um... In terms of like what people with AIDS at that time went through, and like, right. there wasn't that's most people that's the progression that occurred, and I think that for him, his arc is tracks the arc of the of the case because that was sort of his last endeavor, and that's why when it's over, that's sort of where his arc ends because that's what he was holding on for.
1: There's a scene for me that I think with inside the movie is an amazing scene. But once as a viewer of the movie, it's not. It kind of represents what I kind of don't like about the movie after I watched it. Denzel Washington um, is interrogating a witness in 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 the courtroom, and he is like you homosexual, and he's like what do you think? He's like a faggot. Uh, uh, um. This is like a couple of slurs. And then he is like, I think that we should make it clear that, you know, this case is not about AIDS, is about homosexuality. Like, that's the underlying thing that we're not saying. And I think that's kind of the movie's problem. After analyzing it, I wouldn't think of it as a gay movie. I would think of it as a, a gay epidemic film. I think that, Wait, like... Wait, what's the difference for you? It's more of a movie to show the horrors of AIDS... Rather than discrimination that gay people live with on a day to day basis, like the it's a discrimination movie on the basis of your HIV status, rather than a movie about discrimination, about like you know relating to homophobia. Right, but like um, so and much. And not that there's but not that there's anything wrong with it, but I do think the movie shies away from showing tom hanks and Antonio banderas as a couple like that's one of the that's one of the main criticisms of the film that they have a diluted scene in which they would have been shown together kissing in bed together that was the deleted scene um and it is yeah and the yeah, two together have movie, less than they?
2: yes they do the first right, time that they, they don't kiss they do. and
1: Wait, what do no, they do? They like cut that scene of them together in bed. And and they together they have they barely have any dialogue. Antonio Banderas is basically a cardboard cutout that could have been played by anyone. Wait, but when do they kiss?
2: The first time you see him. The first time you see Antonio Banderas. With tongue.
1: No. <laughs> I There's wanna a... see some saliva exchange. God, <laughs> this is not a gay film. Look, uh, I
0: look, I disagree with the first thing you said because I mean, I think that AIDS discrimination is so linked to homophobia, if I'm comparing it to um, the opioid crisis that's currently going on in our country, you don't see that kind of stigma toward people who are, whose, li- whose lives have been ruined by opioids.
1: Yeah, you do. You know, like people who are dependent on opioids are labeled as junkies and as people who wasted their lives. Um, and and to to but you know, I don't like, think
0: there are there are assumptions my, based at, on their lifestyle
1: per se as for as sure strongly, they are. but they, like, like as they... strongly
0: as with AIDS and homosexuality. I
1: I, I really much disagree. I think that there is a lot of victim blaming in the opioid crisis. And to my point, you could compare this film to um, the Normal Heart, which is a movie about the AIDS epidemic, and that's an inherently gay film. This is not.
2: Well, I think this film is... I don't agree that it's not an inherently gay film. I think it is. But I, but I think that it, it has a different um, lens and a different purpose. And I think that this movie is really about relations between gay people in the gay community and people who are not a part of that community. And that's why Joe and, and Andy are, are the main characters, because that's what the movie's really about. Um, whereas The Normal Heart is more about the community itself and the community's response to the AIDS crisis and, you know, the infighting and et cetera that happened in 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 our own response versus here where it's about other people's response to what was happening. I, I also think that the movie does actually, you know, that scene that you mentioned that sort of brought this up for you, I think that, that a couple of scenes in the courtroom, the point of them is to show, you know, they talk about that woman who also had AIDS but wasn't fired. And the point of that, what they're showing is that it wasn't only about having AIDS because they saw her as blameless even though she had AIDS because she wasn't homosexual where they saw him as as deviant and deserving of it and and you know you know um horrifying or something to be abhorred and so that distinction does matter i think in terms of what the the discrimination it's yeah. not that i
1: don't it's not that I don't think that in the courtroom scenes they don't make they don't make it a point I'm just saying that like. I think the movie is really shy at portraying, quote-unquote, gay lifestyle. And and this is another criticism that popped up when I was, like, doing my research for this episode, was that they make sure to show... I I saw... I'm quoting uh, an op-ed. It was saying, like, they make it a thing of showing the cleanest homosexual possible. In the sense that, like, you know, it's a lawyer with a loft, and... Someone who was like the worst thing that he had done in life was to go to a pornographic gay theater, and I feel like the the filmmakers really are scared of like making the film gay. But I I, I, don't know. I think you
2: have to. I, I feel like you have to give credit for, or allowances rather, for the time period and the fact that it's like the first mainstream movie that was you know tackling these topics, and also that it's based um, in large part on a true story, um, and a and a real person. Um, who have somewhat similar situation, and also the optics of a, of a court case and like why that case maybe was successful for better or worse. Um, um, I felt I felt like watching it like being like this knowing when it came out and the context of it, I thought it was um, I would I, I I it sure. more than I thought.
1: In fact, I would agree if it wasn't for the fact that and the band played on came first no one remembers and the band played on and the band played on is a it's pretty famous i knew about and the band played on wasn't before it a tv movie yeah but it was huge it was on hbo
0: yeah but it was a tv that's different. movie that's it's so different in that time tv movies versus like
2: big mainstream hollywood it won
1: outstanding mace for television it, movie it that's won, even in this time uh, tv has
2: way more uh, leeway in right. terms of what they sh- they're willing to show. right? Like that They always have, and okay. they still do. Well, and on
0: and HBO, too, because they showed nudity. But I want to say this. I want to say I agree with, with James, but I also agree with Fernando. I think that this film is a little shy about its portrayal of gays, and I think I know why. It's because Jonathan Demme, the director, um, his film before this was The Silence of the Lambs, Oscar winner for Best Picture with Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins. And it was heavily criticized for its depictions of LGBTQ plus people, specifically Buffalo Bill, the antagonist. And I was reading somewhere that Demi felt kind of guilty for his movie playing a role in demonizing gay men. And yes. I think that part of his goal on Philadelphia was to not only call out the stigma but do so in a way that would appeal to quote unquote average Americans who thought of homosexuality as sinful or unnatural you know mm-hmm. I and, right and and, and, I think and the that's point why was
1: to um, not straightwash but mainstream wash a little bit right and that's why you know he has absolutely no queer creatives at all in this film.
0: Oh,
1: but okay, but so the second scene in the and movie like, I, shows. And it just I want to say Ugh. real quick to me, it just when people say like for the time, you know, like it's for me that's not a valid criticism. It's not a valid argument against it because, for example, William Hurt won won the Oscar for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Ugh, hate um, that movie in in nineteen eighty five. In which he was uh, seen kissing a man, so it's not like it wasn't mainstream by that point in time for it
2: gay characters wasn't. to be
1: portrayed in media. So it... I don't. I think that we forget that the nineties in general were had like a renaissance for queer media. Yeah. In, in general.
0: Yes, but this was early in the nineties. This was ninety three. Also, *Kiss of the Spider Woman* is not like a popular movie. This was a popular movie filled with stars who. Wanted to be part of it. Also, Kiss of the Spider Woman is 85. That's the same year that Rock Hudson died. Um, And generally, from that time until 93, we saw the epidemic getting worse. And we saw our politicians not taking a stand and even talking about AIDS. So I think that's the difference. Um, I do want to say, though, I do want to point out, because you said that there are no queer creatives involved in this film. And I just want to say that there actually are. There are fifty of them, in the second scene in the movie, um, which shows AIDS patients together in a ward, and he's getting blood work done. Um, most of the extras there are HIV positive, and a lot of and many have died. And yes, in fact, only one of them is still alive today. But a lot of gay men with HIV were featured as extras in the movie. And I think oh, that's isn't nice. that
1: lovely, from Jonathan? to put gay a- HIV positive patients in his film. He's such a charitable person. Um <laughs> wow. Yeah, no i um, you know, but you don't understand what I'm trying to say. You know, it's if you had really taken the criticism from Silence of the Lamb and you were like, "Whoa, I kind of fucked up." You and you wanted to make a movie as an ode as an ode to like gay people and the queer community in general, and you wanted to highlight this you know, big problem that the United States was going through at the time. You know, you could have you could have hired someone. You know, <laughs> it's 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 just my opinion. It doesn't take away from the film. And again, I I love this film. I think it's it's great. I think as many of the films that we talk about in the podcast, I wish it, I wish that wasn't the case. But I think it makes it digestible for straight people. And I think that this is a gay movie with queer themes that I would watch with my parents at a time that they weren't as open minded as they are right now. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And that's a valuable thing.
1: Yeah. Those movies exist. And if it wasn't for those movies, you know, like there are a lot of straight people who, by the end of this film, might have a similar journey as Denzel Washington's yeah. character. Yeah. yeah or like wow look at them in their little sailor suits dancing like a real straight couple that's so oh my cute God. um rather than you know a a movie like the birdcage um, in which you know they show gay men in thongs and you know like Um, being flamboyant and all that sort of stuff, which is, like, not as family-friendly, even though The Burkage is kind of family-friendly. But, like, that's, you understand... Or The Normal Heart, that they show them having sex and, you know, partying at Fire Island and all that sort of stuff. Like, those movies that I consider are more queer-centric, they're not movies that are mainstream for that very reason. Right, You know, these movies deserve some kind of applause.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- this is not a movie made by gays for gays. It's a movie right. made by breeders. I'm sorry, straights for uninformed <laughs> straights. I've been told that breeders is a slur, and I shouldn't use that.
1: Wow. It's a movie
0: made by straights for uninformed straights.
1: Yeah.
0: James, I want to ask you a question. Sure. There's There's a line in the movie that made me think about you. Um, it's when Joe... No, I'm sorry. It's when Andy is on the witness stand and he's being asked about his personal life and he says you don't bring your personal life to the law firm you're not supposed to have a personal life and so i'm wondering Mm -hmm. is that true because
2: i feel like you have a personal life um yes i do (laughs) um it definitely depends on where you are i don't think that any firm would say that that's true and i don't think it necessarily is true i think you know I think a lot of firms are doing a lot to sort of make their culture inviting and and welcoming. Um but at the end of the day, a big law firm is a big law firm and and you know, there's a lot of work to do. And so that's that's the focus. That's what you're there for. Um and that's, you know, to to sort of to maintain yourself in that environment, you have to be passionate about doing the work or you just right. won't you won't be there because it's it's a lot of work. Um so you know that's what it is but i wouldn't say that you don't bring your personal life to work at all but it's not a it's not a huge part i don't think of of your work life and to um, that end
0: andy was working at his law firm in 1993 let's say you work at a law firm now you are openly gay mm-hmm. what is that like for you
2: i mean you know it's it's fine there's nothing you know <laughs> thankfully right. um There's, you know, the firm, like my firm, and a lot of firms have, um, um, like, affinity groups for queer people, and actually, when I was in law school, you know, that's sort of how I found out about a lot of firms, was that they, you know, there was a a queer student group in law school, and we met with a bunch of, of, you know, queer groups from from law firms. They're all, like, pretty small groups, even in the big firms, um, I will say. I don't know, that's just sort of what, what it is the The people at the firms are, are generally really welcoming, and they, they want that to be sort of open and, and discussed and whatever. But there's not... I, I don't know that many firms with, like, a large, large group of, of queer attorneys.
1: <laughs> I think it's also worth to point out that, you know, this is 2020 and New York. Um, yes. And the stigma of the quote-unquote gay cancer has long worn off.
2: I don't think that's a part of the of the conversation anymore in terms of yeah. anything. I mean, I think I, that I law have... firms tend to be on the, at least in my experience, and, and again, I'm in New York, and most of the firms that I have experience with are New York firms, but New York firms do tend to lead the country in terms of, of what law firms are doing. Mm-hmm. But I think that law firms tend to be on the progressive end um, in terms of like what their social... Like internal social policies are, and I know my firm is really good about that um and which is part of why I'm there
1: oh I have a question as the lawyer I like personally didn't get the i mean I understand for narrative purposes we I know why it's included, but within a trial um the scene with the pornographic theater one what's mm-hmm. like they they were like. This it, like, when they, like, object to that, like, uh, Mary's character as the, the other lawyer, she's like, it's to judge and credibility, or, like, some shit
0: like that, or character. I forget I the feel word. so Jesus. bad right now, because I told James that he didn't have to bring in any legal jargon to
1: this episode,
0: <laughs> and now we're being asked
1: on it. No! Well, <laughs> I was just, I was just wondering, would his character be, like, would, would that be, like, something that, you know, will be, like, addressed, in a trial about AIDS discrimination?
2: It, it, it probably depends, but um, there are some rules of evidence, but also they were in a state court, I believe, so I I don't know what the Philadelphia or Pennsylvania state court rules are. Um, I have very little experience in Pennsylvania state court, but um, generally, uh, like the federal rules of evidence, and most, sta- most states have similar rules, um, there are rules that exclude certain evidence, character evidence, when you're bringing it in for certain purposes. Um, but it can be brought in for it depends on what the purpose of the evidence being offered is. So sometimes you can get in it and sometimes not. But that's why you would you would object and then, you know, the judge would rule, you would argue over whether it was being used for an admissible purpose or not. So you can sometimes bring character evidence, but but sometimes not. <laughs> wow, that's a lot really? of the things in the law. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> <laughs> it wow. depends. The big answer. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um... I did think it was fascinating. This is something that, and I had to, the boys had to keep telling me to like focus on like the movie because I kept getting distracted just at watching the practice of law. You know, they don't show that much of it, but what they do show, because it's so, so, so different with, you know, technology. And frankly, I like couldn't imagine what being a lawyer before the existence of, you know, the internet would be because so much of my work is, you know, using online uh, like case research that's like a big part of what junior associates and mid-level associates do since that didn't exist it's just completely different and watching them even like in the first scene when they leave and they have to like speak into their recorder like what happened in the conference with the judge i mean i really found it entertaining (laughs) and interesting and like right now you know the the
1: main event that sets the film in motion I I think it wouldn't happen anymore. Right. Because it's just a missing it's a missing like. It's a, a missing of paper. file <laughs> if you like just access the drive and like download it from there. And or or the scene at the library, which also you could say like it's it's the one that like tips the point and like Denzel representing him and everything, like that probably wouldn't happen because you wouldn't go to a library and be like where no, is you... the discrimination on the basis of HIV status? And a librarian section. would like
0: walk over and say it very
1: loudly. Here are your AIDS <laughs> books,
0: sir. You know, and um, make everyone turn. Okay.
2: I mean, yeah. like, the, the, the libraries at the law schools, like at NYU, the, the library has all of those case books, but I don't think I ever saw anyone use one. <laughs> <gasps> Interesting. Because you, everything's online. It's so much easier. <laughs> I I want to bring a
1: real quick a point that might be a little controversial, and this is like w- why I kind of say that the film is not so much about queerness, but rather the AIDS epidemic. Is that you I controversial? Feel, no, and no, I feel like the main actor, the main character, is Denzel. Huh.
2: I think they're I co-protagonists. Always, um, I forget, what if that's the thing? Or there's like another word for a secondary protagonist? But I think they're, they're kind of co-protagonists. I would agree that Denzel is at least as as big a part of the movie as, as I like, as Hanks.
1: I like obviously like didn't count it, but I feel like number one he has more screen time. Number two, well, well you can't
0: just say that if he didn't count it.
1: Well, I'm just saying from a, like the it, he has more impact in my opinion and. I would have had to make a choice. He would have gotten the Best Actor Oscar, not Tom Hanks. Are you For me. kidding me? For me. Are you <laughs> fucking insane? I just think I honestly, and then I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to be controversial. I just think it's really easy to like roll your eyes and let the makeup do most of the acting.
0: You're out and of line. Have, I've tolerated you, know, you for 20 episodes.
1: <laughs> we have the Fellini scene with the opera and, like, the dramatic angle. That's where, where he earns Hanks. the
0: Oscar. And, That's and was when Trump, Yes. That was such a good scene.
1: It's an amazing scene. Talented, spectacular, and the same, totally unique. Absolutely never done, been done before. The problem is, I think that the illness does most of the acting.
2: And I think that's so many best actor roles is right. not necessarily the illness, but it's like whatever the, the plot is like, right. it's always like someone who has this, like whatever, you know, whatever it is, but that's what it, that's what a best actor or a best actress role is. Like that's right. part of I, built I, into I, the awards, right? It's,
1: it's very, I think this is the Oscar Beatty role. Um, right. and I, I think, I, maybe not the illness, maybe that's, you know, badly worded, but I do think that the makeup really does help in a way that, you know, it happened Jared Leto win his Oscar or, oh um, for Dallas Buyers Club or, or Gary Eddie Oldman. Redmayne, um, Gary Oltman, um, for Darkest Hour or Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. I do think that, For, like, uh, The Theory of Everything, you mean? Oh, yes, but also nominated for the Oscar for The Danish Girl, um... I do think that, like... It's not that it's a bad performance. It's that I think that the film falls apart. If me as a gay man, having... Like, seeing that scene of Denzel Washington at at the bar when he has been accosted by his colleagues, and he says, like, oh, you know, these people make me sick. It's not pretty as a gay man to hear that. And at the end of the film, yeah, I end up feeling for Denzel, and, like, Loki, like, feel, like, grateful, I I don't know, it's, like, that's the best choice of words, but, you know, it's, like, it's, you end up feeling, like, it's some kind of, you know, affection for his character, and, like, I think that those, like, that's very hard to do, and I think a lot of it might be the script, um, which is really sad that this didn't win for best original script, even though it's not an original story, (laughs) um, and, but it's, you know, I think that it also is 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 thanks to Denzel Washington's performance.
0: Well, I will say Denzel is probably one of the greatest living actors mm-hmm. of all time. I definitely agree with you. Denzel is fantastic in this role, and I would have liked to see him nominated. But I think Tom Hanks earns his Oscar here. I think that you know you, you got to remember up until this point, Tom Hanks was was just playing like the goofy nerd. And this was a huge breakthrough for him. Yes, but
1: he won it because he was Tom Hanks. It's he wasn't it's Tom as, Hanks be- back then. He no. wasn't. The, he
0: wasn't America's Dad then.
1: I know. I'm saying like because he was Tom Hanks in the sense that he was the goofy actor doing a serious role. The same way I imagine John Mulaney doing this role, we would give it props because it's John Mulaney doing it, rather than you know. I'm sure he would be an amazing actor in a film like this but I do think that in here the celebrity won the Oscar.
0: I I disagree B because you see cases where 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 comedic actors try dramatic roles like Jim Carrey in The Truman Show. Amazing film, amazing, amazing role. Amazing beautiful performance. He's he's fantastic, but he is still very much Jim Carrey. And I think in this movie Tom Hanks is not what we Believe or what we have seen of Tom Hanks thus far in his career, and I think that's what makes it interesting, and that's what w- what makes it. Such yeah, but a you're really judging great
1: it. Great, you're judging it because it's Tom Hanks. I'm judging it based on a performance.
0: I'm d- judging it based on Tom Hanks' performance.
1: <laughs>
0: James, what um, what w- weigh in
2: here? Help us. You know that Josh knows that I like. Am not. Um, I don't follow the awards very much, and I don't put that much stock in them. But I. Think that, like, I think that that's also part of what's built into the awards. It's like that the awards, whoever the people that that give the awards know certain people, and then you know, if they see them do something that they don't expect, that's part of what is built into how the awards are always awarded. So, I think that is Tom Hanks probably did matter, and also that doesn't matter because that's how all the awards are calculated. So, for Uh, sure,
1: (laughs) then sell did it better. Denzel, I know you listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, I, I will I, say I,
2: that I thought they were both fantastic in it. I, I thought that I mean that's what I, that I like, said that they were honestly very,
1: um of Give them. the Oscar to Mary Seenbergen. Right, she was fantastic. <laughs> she, I will say really though, great. I like I I feel like the eyes saw the back of my head when when she's that like you know the scene when he shows like the marks and she's like oh, I hate this gaze to kind of like humanize her. And I'm like, okay, I off. loved
2: that moment for her even though she didn't get I loved that moment for her and I related to it. Though I hope I would never be in I never would be because I wouldn't allow myself to be in a situation where I was like an attorney in that kind of case. But sometimes you're you know, you're working for whatever your firm is and you're in a case and you're like right. I don't feel like I like you know what I have to be doing here on this case like because it would, it isn't what I personally would wish for the outcome to be, but it's the outcome I have to advocate for. Right. So I I related to that moment, but however, she was horrifying, but also I liked that that moment existed for her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you know that two days before she started filming this movie that she went to visit her friend who was dying of AIDS? And two days later, they start filming, and she told the director that she was so upset and she didn't think that she could play this role. And the director, Jonathan Demi told her that her role was super important in helping us see
1: justice. Mm. Um, Also, fun fact, uh, Tom Hanks wasn't the first choice for this. Oh my god, so many actors passed on this role. Number one, uh, the first option was Daniel Day-Lewis, which I think would have been fierce. Um, I mean, he can do anything. And the second choice was Michael Keaton, who also passed on this role. (laughs) Um, who I think would have been also been pretty good. Um, uh,
2: I think I think this I know that that you don't like to make allowances for the time and all of that, but I think that that you know this could also be a part of why Tom Hanks ends up nominated, which is because it, it may have been a brave choice, a brave career choice for him at the time, um as like a mainstream Hollywood actor playing these comedic roles to take this role on. Maybe it that is really so changed. true. That is so
1: I, true. I I will point out that the movie. It's really easy to like forget that this movie had a, like an excellent pedigree, in the sense, like in the sense of like that it was directed by someone who, whose movie had won best picture the year before, and Denzel Washington by then was also like a huge star. Oh my God, Denzel's um, Denzel. So. Yeah, it's it was a very bold choice by everyone. I I, I will agree with that. Um, so now we're gonna move to well, what I could have shoulda. I'm gonna say it. I yes, I cute performance, but this should have had gay. Okay. I'm telling you, not even, it doesn't even have to be Tom Hanks because I've said that I'm not upset about straight actors playing gay roles, and and I'm only upset when it's a parody and like it's not you know these two roles with an. In- so Tony and Tom Hanks are not gay. But if, you know, you're going to make a movie that it's a love letter to all the people that have been victims of the AIDS epidemic, you could have someone
0: Right. There. It, it does feel like, overall, the movie felt, as you were saying, that it was a little too cautious and and, 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 and stepping on, on, on eggshells to try to court the, the uninformed homophobes. And I think as a result, we don't see any gay representation in this movie, like, from queer creatives. And I think that's a shame, but I, underst- I understand why that decision was made. However, I would have hoped that maybe someone, even with Denzel and Tom Hanks and Jonathan De- Demi, that they could have found room somewhere, at least somewhere, for more queer creatives to be part of the process.
1: Yeah. James, how do
2: you feel? Um, I'm not sure I know what we're doing. What oh my this? God, we <laughs> haven't
0: explained it. So, so...
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fernando, you can explain this
1: one. <laughs> so, the, the now it's like a settling that it's called um Kura and we kind of, like, go over, like, if there was someone that we've, like a queer person that we feel that could have fit a role in this movie or if mm-hmm. we think that the movie could have done something to include um, more queerness into it. So that's why I I said, you know, it's not that I think that they should have replaced the main actors, but I do feel that mm-hmm. they should have made some space for like a queer, a queer something, anything. Mm-hmm. Someone yeah. And I agree. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think, I I guess I agree as well. I think that they made choices and i i think i understand the choices and i think that i think the film works as is you know I, I don't i don't disagree with you that that you know the the main point of as we have said i don't think that the main point of the film is like to show the queer community or to and it's what josh said you know, it's not a, a queer film by queer people for queer people but i think that's okay that's not what it intended to be i think they probably achieve what they set out to achieve um but yeah i mean i'm always oh, down to see more queerness in film so of course it could have had more yeah and
1: to be honest like right now if we were to make this film I don't I don't even know who I would recast as queer that it's at the same caliber of stardom as the two people that we have right now I know You're who saying, I, I would be, cast as a lawyer I'm, but I, I'm saying I will say and it's gonna be a little shady but even our A-list queer celebrity is a D-list mainstream celebrity right now. Wow. Like, I don't think... who Who is the biggest queer star that you know? RuPaul. <laughs> Jim Parsons. Well, that that knows how to act. <laughs> Sorry, RuPaul.
0: <laughs>
1: um, then yes, Jim Parsons. I Jim Parsons, yeah. Who doesn't really have stardom appeal outside of television, I would say. Or, like, know that he could carry a movie by himself, the way that Tom Hanks does. Yeah, but there are different ways to stardom now, you know? No, for sure, but I'm saying, like, n- like I don't know two queer people that are in the same realm of, of recognition... Yeah. ...famousness that's... as Denzel Washington and Tom Hanks, where, either at that point in time, or right now... Well, like, that's le- like saying... Oh, I want to build
0: something that's like I want. I want to. I want to build another Eiffel Tower. And then you're looking around, and you're like, I'm not seeing any buildings as tall as the Eiffel Tower. You know, like Denzel and Tom no, Hanks but, like, are like huge. For,
1: like for example, for example, a uh, a good comparison. Um, Dubai was like those places have amazing thingies, and so we're going to make the tallest building in the world. You know, like it doesn't have to be the same kind of kind of monster. But I'm saying mainstream appeal, I, like at this point in time, I can't think of a single queer actor that does it. Well, if this were made today,
0: I think that it would look very different. I think that it would not be a white person. I think this would be um, an LGBTQ person of color um, who is um, not as affluent as Andy is. Because again, there, there are people... T- Today, who still struggle with HIV,
1: um, but you would take that the main, the main, like one of the main themes of the of the film. Denzel Washington took on the case because he knew what it felt like being discriminated against because of his race. Right. It makes sense that it's a white person with HIV.
0: Yes, but I feel like nowadays, if we want to be truthful to the people who are living and struggling with hiv i think we would want to represent people of
2: color as well yeah i don't think this film would be made today (laughs) How (laughs) is how is so it would be just it would just be totally different it would be about different issues because while people are still struggling with with aids um it's very different now than it was then and like the just everything is different. Like, there's you couldn't recreate that moment in time unless you set the film in that time. But for well, sure, why, why would you? You know, what would be the what would, and, and what would you be trying to say about about now, like, there thank, was a reason thankfully, for Thankfully,
0: you want to know why, James? Thankful, and thank, you want to know why? Because Hollywood makes dumb decisions, that's why, right?
1: And, but I'm saying, like, thankfully, now we are nowhere where we were at that point in time in terms of the AIDS epidemic. Thankfully, we have things like prep, and we have a lot more information mm-hmm. about, um, AIDS and more sex set than when we had at yeah. before. So I don't think that that would be if we were to make a a discrimination case against the LGBTQ community. We could probably, what I feel like Hollywood would do now would be some someone who, um, is in the middle of their transition or like is 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 you know looking to express like uh, their gender identity in 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 a. You know, like, I think, like, that that's what the main issue of, of the queer community would, like, be right. fighting for right now in a workplace rather than...
2: And that would be much more HIV. relevant, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think. Yeah. Because I also think, as we talked about earlier, you know, people understand, like, HIV is... Everyone knows about it, like, pretty much, right? Like, there's there's much less mystery around it, and so there's much less fear around it. Like... Right. Like most, and even people, though there's a, probably not everyone, there but is, most people like wouldn't be like you know how when he goes into his office in that first scene and like everything he touches, Joe's like panicking. Like most people wouldn't react that way now, right. to a person right. that
1: they know as HIV. um and and I I I would say um you know like even though there's still a huge stigma against gay people and HIV now, I think people are a little bit more informed that it's not a gay disease, right. right. Um, and so many so many different pieces of media came out after Philadelphia as well, educating the public and, and outside of media, like Princess Diana, um, shaking hands with AIDS patients and stuff like that. You know, like, Did
0: you know Princess Diana out of the, the, was inspired by Philadelphia? I'm kidding, she wasn't. But imagine if she was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she
1: wasn't because that, that happened that happened before this film oh fuck (laughs) um dumb or or snub josh so dumb or snub
0: snubbed so dumb or snub we talk about the critical reception of a movie and how it did at the oscars because we are hoes for awards so philadelphia (laughs) (laughs) philadelphia did pretty decent at the box office it brought in 77 million dollars and in america and a worldwide total of $206 million, which is pretty good for a movie whose budget was only $26 million. The movie has an 80% on Rotten yeah. Tomatoes and a surprising 7.7 on IMDb, which I, I say it's surprising because IMDb tends to be kind of racist, sexist, and homophobic. Um, what's interesting about the critical reaction to this movie is that The critics seem to all agree that it's good, but there aren't any five-star reviews or A-plus reviews. Everyone agrees that it's, like, good, but not great. Some critics didn't like how the film felt preachy. In the gay community, there's mixed reactions, especially because of how desexualized the character of Andy is. Um, But it was nominated for five Academy Awards, uh, Best Actor, Best Original Screenplay, Best Makeup, and two nominations for Best Original Song. Um, one for the song by Neil Young and one for the song by Bruce Springsteen. It won two for Best Song and Best Actor. Um, one funny thing to note here is that Tom Hanks thanked his gay high school acting teacher in his speech, and there was controversy afterward because people thought that Tom Hanks had outed his acting teacher, but he didn't. He actually yeah. asked him beforehand. Um, but, that yeah. whole, but that whole controversy is the inspiration for the 1997 Kevin
1: Kline movie, In and Out. If I ever um, win an Oscar, Josh, I I I will thank you. I will thank my gay podcast co-host. Oh, that's so sweet. Aww. Um, I don't know if I would thank you. <laughs> work. Um, yeah. Well, that's so. A lot of the criticisms that I have mentioned today, um, I actually got them from a column published by. Larry Kramer, who is the author of The Normal Heart. um, And
0: an AIDS activist and god of the LGBTQ community.
1: Who recently, very recently passed away. Um, May rest in peace. He was a really, 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 really big, uh, you know, like he was an activist during the AIDS uh, era. And he based a lot of his, like The Normal Heart is based on a lot of his experiences, Listen to The Normal Heart episode to understand who Larry Kramer is. But just so you understand how much he hates it, um, the, the it it starts with Philadelphia is heartbreakingly mediocre film. It's dishonest, It's often legally, medically, and politically inaccurate, and it breaks my heart that I must that I must say it's simply not good enough, and I'd rather people not see it at all. He absolutely hates the film and some of the criticism well, he,
2: that he's not known for um uh, like soft opinions, you know. He, right.
1: He- <laughs> He was a very outspoken man. And yeah, like he, like another, another bit that comes out of that. It says like, take one noble gay white male hero, put him together with one black ambulance chasing lawyer who hates gays. Pepper their conflict with the most improbable notion that their shyster is the only lawyer in this entire city of Philadelphia who will defend the white man who's been fired from his law. For, like, yeah, I'm trying to, like, the whole thing has like a really sarcastic, you know, element to it. He like really shits on on Tom Hanks's acting, and he doesn't really like Denzel's uh character. He says that he's much more of an antagonist, and he makes the case that it's um, you know, the character is in two different movies, one in which the character is homophobic, and another one in he goes a uh, self discovery journey. There are many things in this op-ed. I'm telling you, Google it. Go Los Angeles Times, Larry Kramer, Philadelphia. It will pop up. He hates it. He and, really
0: does, and and um, I don't think he. I also think that he just wanted the first mainstream movie to to address AIDS to to be more than this, to not be so straight washed or mainstream washed, and I and I think right. that a lot of it stems from his disappointment in that, which I which I understand.
1: Real quick, I would like to say that, like, from his like op it and from a lot of the criticism that I also I've read, I've like noticed like. There's an implicit criticism that I feel like they don't go as far as saying, but I think that they mainly criticize the movie for being a quote unquote straight savior film, in which it's like the straight person, being kind to the gay person, and which is why we are led to believe that they are, more the like the moral center, um, the straight savior, ooh, The straight like you know, um, I've never thought it of happens it that way. in. It, you know, like, this comes out of, obviously, the term, uh, savior which is, you know, like, it happens in many films, like, um, The Blind Side, uh, Hidden Figures, The Help, um, a shit ton of them. Dances um, with Wolves. And, and this, um, Dances with Wolves, yes. Um, Avatar. <laughs> um, I think you see it in, in queer films a lot. You see it, um, here in Philadelphia. You see it again in Dallas Buyers Club, um, and in um, a couple of, of other queer films that we have talked about in the past. Uh, so I think that like, a lot of the criticism is also like, centered around that, too. James, what do you think?
2: I feel like, I mean, I think this is sort of circling the conversation that we've been having about the film and like, whether it needed to be more queer. And I think Larry Kramer, like, as a point of entry into like, the criticism of the film, is like, going to be a very specific viewpoint and I think it, it, it almost opens, you know, us up to a bigger conversation about, like, maybe it's not as relevant anymore, but it definitely was at some point, and maybe it still is in terms of, like, whether queer people in their quest, you know, for rights and, and acceptance needed to assimilate into society or not. And, you know, choosing a protagonist like the one in the film, It's gonna rub people the wrong way depending on which side of that uh, coin you might have fallen on. And Larry Kramer definitely falls on one side of that.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure. Personally, I think that this movie was snubbed. I think that it deserved a Best Picture nomination. (coughs) What? Do you not think so? I, I think it clearly deserved a Best Picture nomination.
1: Oh, nomination, yeah. Yeah, win. nomination.
0: Win? Uh, I mean, that was the year of Schindler's List. And let's, and let's face it, Schindler's List came in like a wrecking ball, prepared to take everything in its path. Um, same year. So Schindler's List was going to win everything anyway. But, um, no, I, I, I think Philadelphia is the type of movie that Oscar voters would have really embraced, especially since it was so daring and since it had such talent attached to it And since it was coming out and talking about something that was so taboo, but part of me thinks that it's because AIDS was still a little bit taboo that this movie did not get nominated. I have a feeling that, you know, it's the same reason that Brokeback Mountain didn't win Best Picture in 2005. I think if there were people who wouldn't vote for that to win in 2005, there must have been people who wouldn't vote for Philadelphia in 1993 solely because of the subject matter.
1: This was during the Clinton years, and let's not forget that, like, these are the years of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and uh, Clinton also started his uh, government with a ban, a travel ban, from people that had HIV.
0: You know, it's so interesting. I feel like the best picture winners are often a reflection of the current presidential administration. I I don't have enough proof on that yet, but... Just in my lifetime, I've noticed that happening a lot, especially with um, Moonlight, The Shape of Water, Parasite, and Green Book all winning while Trump has been president. Right. Mm. Um, I think it's very interesting. But yeah,
1: now that you mention it,
0: given the politics of the Clinton administration,
1: it's not that it didn't win because Clinton wasn't great with the gays. I feel like, if anything, it didn't win. Because we were living uh, during the Renaissance of liberalism during these years, so people like you know when when yes. when, yes. when we were at during at that point in time, people like are complacent and like they don't they don't you know vote for like the daring film exactly like, groundbreaking film
0: exactly that's why fucking Argo won under the Obama years and the King's right. Speech right. and
2: uh, <laughs> for
1: sure, um, I feel like if this had been during the Bush years, um, it might have suited a chance
2: this is a very interesting to me as someone well, doesn't follow awards that much yeah well
1: josh and i will talk i i'm telling you i feel like uh we could talk about we could have a whole podcast about this but we're not going to because no one cares about awards and then for the final part of this uh this podcast uh what do we think is this movie you know Gay. <laughs> what do we think
0: we all know that your answer is no, Fernando. Um, I would say yes, <laughs> it is. I would say yes. I think it is. I don't really think I need to explain myself because we have been talking in circles for the past hour, but <laughs> I I believe that based on the evidence I laid out, um, I will leave it to our jury of listeners to decide
2: if it is, you know. <coughs> but I think it is. I think it is, too. And and. I'm glad that it exists. It could have been gayer, but I think it's still gay. And the gayer films are coming and still to come.
1: Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I love this film, and it gets me emotional. And I've told you that, like, every single... Even Dallas Buyers Club, which definitely hasn't aged well since it was released, like, it still gets me on my feels. Oh, I'm in fucking tears every time. And, you know, and any film that depicts a time in which, you know, the LGBTQ community and, and particularly gay men were so were, you know, left to die by by a by a incompetent government. It really, you know, makes me emotional and, and, and I can help but think what, what would it be my like, what would my life be if that were to happen nowadays? Yeah. So that's that's what gets me. Um, and just because I think that the movie is not "quote unquote" gay, it doesn't take away from my enjoyment of it. Um, mm-hmm. It has its space in the in the queer hall of fame. Um, yeah, as I said, I said it's the movie that I can watch with my parents. And five years after my initial coming out, I finally was comfortable enough with them watching um, the normal heart because that's obviously a tougher sale. Um, mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is the movie that I. Would probably would have watched um, at the beginning of my coming out experience. And, and this is something that they would have felt very comfortable with watching. So, like, I appreciate that this movie was made. The fact that it made over $200 million, it's absolutely bonkers, because this was almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Um And, yeah, I mean, it might not be, you know... Gay. But it is a, uh, it is a beautiful film, and, and I'm very glad that we got to talk about it. Yeah,
0: although yeah, I, I'm sad because it looks like we have a hung jury here in terms of whether this movie
2: is, you know... What's wrong with a hung jury?
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> ah! So funny. That was, that was so funny. Was I set funny. that up
0: for you. You're welcome. <laughs> you, you did. <laughs> him up. I'll knock him down. <laughs> <laughs> this has been so so lovely having James Salem on our podcast. James is such a dear friend of mine, and I've wanted him on this show from day one. And James, I am so so thrilled that we got to do this episode together. Are you free next week?
2: <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to to join and talk about this. And thanks for. Making me watch this movie, I was I was bummed that you gave me such a sad one, but then I really loved it, so I'm glad that I got to watch it. And I don't Are know you if I would have this is, to it. This is not a comedy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the when twist I, at the end when, of the episode. When I when I said when I said that I was in tears is because I was laughing. Oh my
0: god.
1: Oh my god, you can't say that. Um we're gonna try to find you another courtroom drama that you can one hundred percent come back to. Um, <laughs> there are not there are not a lot of gay, you know like considering the amount of discrimination, there are not a lot of like gay cases.
0: Um what what about freeheld?
1: I've never watched that.
0: you never watched Freeheld? It's with um, Julianne Moore and Elliot Page. Um,
1: oh, I've heard about it. Yes. Thank you so much, James, for doing this. This week, for our listeners, uh, we're not going to have tops and bottoms because we have enough in this podcast. haha um, ha. <laughs> no, but because it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's because uh, we knew that this episode was going to be a little longer because... We just really wanted to give this movie enough time, like, to, you know, be able to dissect it and talk about it and do all this stuff. Um, so, thank you for listening. Listen, go back to see if you have watched any of these movies. And if you, even if you haven't watched it, I feel like we talked about the plots of these movies enough so that you don't have to. You still should watch Philadelphia. Oh, no. you Philadelphia. Well, the problem is, sadly, at the time of release of this episode... um. Is no longer available in any streaming site for free. Um, You could watch it with a free trial on Stars, or you could rent it from Amazon for three dollars. I highly, highly recommend it. It was on Netflix for the longest time, and then it was was on HBO. Then it was on HBO Max for the longest time. I know. Homophobes. Yeah, now it's not now it's not available. I mean, <laughs> not really because it's a movie about AIDS. Um, it's not a queer film. <laughs> but thank you everyone for listening.
0: Bye bye everyone. Bye.